This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. So we said number seven, that faith plays a key role in the exercise of the authority of the believer. And then we saw 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, and 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Now, there are times we would give the command of authority, but things will seem not to change. There are times we will give the command of authority and things will seem not to change. What we need to do at such times is to stand our ground in faith. Hope that makes sense. Once you've given the command of authority, just stand your ground in faith. You've spoken. Maintain that stand. I gave the command of authority. I spoke to that situation in the name of Jesus. It's got to change. In fact, it's changing already. What I said shall come to pass. Amen. So you just keep thanking God for the answer. Now, people go to Luke 18, where the Bible was talking about importunity. You know? And he said, uh, because he will be heard because of his importunity. Man who goes to his friend's house middle of the night. Really, it's more about the boldness. Who goes to somebody else's house in the middle of the night to ask for bread? It's about the boldness. And you see, there's an importunity of unbelief. And there's an importunity of faith. Don't do the importunity of unbelief. How did Jesus end that parable? He said in verse 8, that when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? So that was the central point he was uh, alluding to. The boldness to ask. And then the importunity of faith. Amen. Spoken in faith, that's it. It shall come to pass. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick and near death, you notice that Jesus said the sickness is not unto death. That's what Jesus said. When Jesus got there and they told him Lazarus had died, what did Jesus do? He stood by what he had said. He maintained his confession. Look, when they rolled away the stone and he said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me and that you have heard me. When did God hear him? What did he say that God heard him? See, when he said that this is not unto death, God heard him. He wasn't starting to pray all over again. He just said, oh boy, come out here. What are you doing there? Lazarus, come forth. That's it. Because when he spoke, he released faith. You understand? So once you give the command of authority, let it stay said. Jesus did not curse the fig tree and say, no man eat fruit of the air after forever. And then, after he did it, he said, let's see, is it changing? It's you now, I'm talking to you. I say, no man, no man, no man. Is that what he did? He just spoke and he turned and he walked away. Because he knew it shall come to pass. You take the name of Jesus, you speak to the circumstance, know it shall be carried out. It shall be carried out. My elder brother, my elder brother was like, um, it was like if my elder brother can get saved, anybody can get saved. It was a bad case. Got born again. My brother in front of me, taunted me that I'd gone to join the SUs. I laughed. Then he told me, he said, you won't last. You know, you can't last. Well, it's been 30, it's been over 35 years, it'll be 36. 
<laughs> I sure haven't lasted, have I? <laughs> you know, the Bible says, the righteous shall hold on his way. He that hath clean hands shall get stronger and stronger. The Bible says, now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his throne with exceeding joy. The Bible says, who are that, that condemneth another man's servant? To his own master is silent of all that. He shall be holding up. The last part of it says, for God is able to make him stand. You see, he can keep us. We are kept by the power of God. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're just swinging free in his strength, in his care, in his ability. You see, we're not trying to be strong in ourselves. We're strong in him. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, what did I do? After some time, I was studying along these lanes about the authority of the believer, the authority I have over the devil. And you see, faith begins where the will of God is known. I saw from God's word that it's God's will that my loved ones be saved. It's God's will. It's God's will. It's God's will. I also saw 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. Nobody in his right mind will live this life and enter eternity and say it's hell they are going. But somebody who wasn't in his right mind could do that. Nobody in his right mind will drive their car, you know, and go jump into a lake. But somebody who was on dope cooled. Somebody who wasn't in his right mind cooled. Amen. So the devil would winks people's minds. I saw that. I saw from the prodigal son in Luke 15. The Bible says that when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And here I perish with hunger. You see, when he came to himself, so he wasn't thinking straight when he was doing that stuff. Amen. I saw some of those things. And, said, and then I got up. It was my dad and my elder brother. What did I do? I just say, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the devil over my brother's life. I called his name. I claim his deliverance and full salvation in Jesus' name. See, once I did that, that settled it. Next holiday we came for, my brother was talking in tongues. Born again, spirit filled, talking in tongues. It worked. My dad, nothing seemed to change. In fact, it looked like it, he got worse. So what did you do? I just stood my ground. I took the name of Jesus. I broke the power of the devil over his life. I claimed his deliverance and full salvation in Jesus' name. That's what I kept saying. And so, Father, I see him saved. I call him saved. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I just stood my ground. Now, let me also say this. You see, you can't force somebody else into getting saved. Man is a free moral agent. In 1 Corinthians 7, the Bible says the believing woman who has an unbelieving spouse, that do you know whether you are the one who will get him saved? If you could always get him saved, that wouldn't have been said. When you break Satan's hold over people's lives, your loved ones, what you've done is that you've now made it possible for them to make their own decision, unhindered by the devil. Most of the time, they will make the right decision for God. A few of the times, they might not. It doesn't mean your faith wasn't working. You know? It just means they chose. And you can't violate somebody else's will. Not even God does. You can't either. You know, but I knew my dad was honest. I knew he just didn't know the truth. And then another thing along these lines, the Bible says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. I asked God to send him someone who talked to him. One person, this was many, many, many years after. 
it looked like nothing was changing for the better, except for the worse. But I just stayed in faith. Every time I remembered, I thanked God for his salvation. I stood my ground on what I had said. I've spoken in faith. I've broken Satan's hold over his life. Father, I thank you because I call him saved. I see him saved and I praise you for it. So I just stood in faith. You know, some unusual person one day invited him to come for a Pentecostal meeting. Pentecostal church, very unusual. Very unusual. My daddy never went to church except maybe they were burying somebody or they were, you know, doing a Thanksgiving or something. I mean, he just wouldn't go, you know. But he went to that meeting. They made the altar call and he answered. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It was many years after, but it came to pass. Once you've taken authority over the devil, broken his hold, amen, stay in faith. Stay in faith. Now, of course, when it comes to unsaved loved ones, I'll give you a piece of advice. Usually, your unsaved loved ones won't listen to you. They feel like, is he not that small boy that I used to clean his pampas? Can he know something I don't know? No, he doesn't. What does he know? Well, has he seen life? Sometimes they have that attitude. Don't preach at them. Preaching at them will push them away from God. You see, people are looking for reality. Once they see reality in you, they will want to follow you understand? I inoculated virtually every member of my family with word of faith theology. Everybody. My siblings. Virtually everybody. Amen. Got everybody. Got everybody. Amen. My dad watched Brother Hagin on, on, on video. You know, was interested when he did. He's late now. But you see, your life, just love them. Be real with them. Don't, be, don't try to be super spiritual. Just be real. Care for them. Show them love. And be real. They want to see reality. Amen. Some people want their neighbors to come to church, but they won't come. And the reason they won't come is you. Because every night you don't let them sleep. You're always praying and shouting at the top of your voice. 12 midnight, when everybody should be sleeping. And it's like, that nuisance has come again. Won't let us sleep tonight. And then you now want to invite them to church. Or you are the one who is always the loudest about church, but you are the nasty person in the neighborhood. You are the person who will not help anybody. You are the person who will not pay your dues. You are the person who will not relate well with people. You can push the people off God. We don't want to do that, right? We want to be loving, kind witnesses. Sometimes what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. Amen. So don't forget, don't undo your witness. Amen. And then also, also the place of intercessory prayer. Sometimes the Spirit of God, you know, could lead you. Spend some time praying in other tongues. Amen. You know, for someone to, uh, in getting the person saved. The Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. Paul said about the Galatian church, Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail again in birth until Christ be formed in you. Which meant he travailed in birth for them to be saved in the first place. Because he said, I travail in birth again. Praise God. So there's also the place of that. I'm not ruling that out. There's also that. Which one shall I do? That's why we have the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen. But you see, don't forget, we've got authority. You have authority in your own life. You have authority where your kids are concerned, when they are still young and under you. You have authority in your immediate family. Amen. As the, as the circle gets wider... The authority diminishes. I can't just go down the road and cast the devil out of anybody promiscuously. 
You know? No, I can't. What if they want the devil? Besides, it's their life. Except they give me permission, I can't just exercise my authority for them. Does that make sense? All right. Number eight. Number eight. Every believer, every believer has authority over the devil. Every believer has authority over the devil. Every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. Every believer has authority over the devil. Every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it. He needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. Every, every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. For a believer, for a believer to pray to God, for a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him, for a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil, for a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil, is for the believer to waste his time. Is for the believer to waste his time. Many of us have wasted lots of time. Every believer has authority over the devil, and he needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him, about the devil is for the believer to waste his time. All those prayers, God rebuke the devil for me. Oluwa bani beshuwi, bani beshuwi, bani beshuwi. Baba go, baba go, baba go, baba go. Bobo emi Coca Cola. If you want to drink Coca Cola, say you want to drink Coca Cola. Which one is emi Coca Cola? I'll try to translate some of this stuff in case you don't understand. The language I, the dialect I just spoke. Yeah. Someone prayed again. Oluwa, bobo ikute inu ayemi. Oluwa dolobo. That's almost blasphemous. I'll tell you what I just said. Oh God, all the rats in my life. God, turn to a cat. God is not turning into a cat. <laughs> you know some things that people pray. Charles Scapp said there was one day he was praying. At least so he thought. He said, God asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. God said, no, you are not. You are complaining. You are not praying. Then he said, the Lord told him. He said, I am tired of hearing you tell me what the devil said. When will you start telling the devil what I said? Yeah, it's not prayer. Oh, God. Just see. I'm just sick. I don't know what to do. See, some prayers, when you finish them, you will be worse off than when you started. Because he shall have whatever he saith. And all you have said is, I'm sick. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. Nothing is working. That's all you are saying. And you have what you say. Prayer is meant to be us taking the word of God and returning it to him. Not taking the circumstances and going to God and complaining. For a believer... To pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil is for the believer to waste his time. Yes. December 1952, Kenneth E. Hagin, 
person who founded this school, September 1974, Rayma Bible Training Center started. Rayma, uh, on the uh, in Broken Arrow, in Oklahoma State, in the U.S. Person who started this school, the founder. The person who actually put it together was his son, Pastor Kenneth W. Hagen, who's alive now and who's running it. And Rayma, since Brother Hagen went to heaven, Rayma has even further expanded. Because you see, Rayma is not built around a person. It's built on God's purpose. Well, 1952, December 1952, Brother Hagen was doing this meeting for a pastor. He was in the pastor's house. When um, he knelt down to pray, the, the pastor had a daughter who was going to go to school. They had been talking about the things of God. And then so much time had passed, so he knelt down to pray. All of a sudden, as he did in the kitchen of that uh, pastor's house, he was caught up in a cloud. And then about where the roof should be, Jesus was standing there. The vision lasted about one hour, 30 minutes. And then Jesus said to him, he said, I want to talk to you about the devil, demons, and demon possession. There were about three or four parts to that vision. I'll just talk about one part of it. If you want to hear the other parts of it, make sure you come for level two. We'll talk about the other parts in level two. You know, till then, you know, we'll talk about this one now. And that reason why you should come for level two. If it's just to hear the rest of the story. Anyway, <laughs> while the Lord was talking to him, all of a sudden, one evil spirit came, a demon, and just stood between that Jesus and Brother Hagin. And not only did the demon stand, there was a cloud, a dark cloud around it. Just listen to this. So much to learn from it. And then the demon started making funny noises. With one irritating voice. He was just making noise. He said he could no longer hear what Jesus was telling him. Important instruction he was giving him from the word of God. Not just for his sake, but also for the body of Christ. About how to deal with the devil. He said, at a time like that, you know, one minute can look like 30 minutes. He said, the thing just kept doing, He said, he couldn't distinguish the, the words Jesus was speaking. He could hear that. And the funny thing, he said, Jesus just continued talking. As if nothing was happening. And he could no longer see Jesus because of the dark cloud it brought. Finally, he was waiting. Why didn't Jesus do something about this thing? Jesus, do something about it. He said, he didn't do anything. He said, finally, out of desperation, he pointed his finger and said, shut up in the name of Jesus. He said, when he said that, the demon fell to the floor like a sack of salt, shaking and whimpering, afraid, like a scared puppy. He said, he said to it, not only shut up, get out of here in the name of Jesus. He said, you never saw anybody scurry so fast. It ran, ran, it fled, ran as in terror, scared Steve, and left. You know, it was like, oh, good riddance of that nonsense. That's how I felt. And then Jesus now said something to him that totally shocked him. It shocked me too the first time I read it. Jesus pointed, to, uh, talked about that situation, said, you know, if you had not done something about that, I couldn't. Ah, it was like, no. I know, maybe because it's night. I'm not hearing well. You didn't say you couldn't. What you said is that you wouldn't. Now, is there a difference? Is that just semantics? If I tell you now that I won't pull the pillar down with my hands, once I turn, just do like this to me. Isn't it? 
This one is not a matter of I won't do it. This one is a matter of I can't do it. At least not in the shape my biceps and triceps are. Because my name is not yet Samson. Right? It's not that I won't. It's that I can't. I won't do something means that it's possible I can do it. It's possible I have the ability to do it. But I choose not to do it. I will not to do it. But I can't means that I may want to do it. I may will to get it done. But I don't have what it takes to do it. I don't have the ability to do it. We get that, right? So, Jesus if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. I didn't have the ability to do it. He said, no, I didn't hear you well. You didn't say you couldn't. You said you wouldn't. Jesus said, no, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. He said, no, you didn't say you couldn't. say you wouldn't. He said, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. No, you didn't say you couldn't. say you wouldn't. No, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. <laughs> Back and forth. About the fourth time, it's like Jesus said, listen up. I did not say I would not. I said I could not, I could not, I could not, I could not. Do you get it? I couldn't. He said, what do you mean you couldn't? He said, that beats anything I've ever preached. That beats anything I've ever heard any preacher preach. That, I've read the New Testament through 150 times. That's what Brother Higgins said. He said, and portions of it more times than that. If there's anything like that in there, I haven't seen it. Jesus looked at it and said, there's a whole lot in there you haven't seen. And that's the truth for all of us. Then he said, even though I can see you talking to me and I can hear you talking to me. He said, but you see this one you just said, eh? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You have to give me two or three witnesses from the New Testament. Otherwise, I won't take it. Then maybe you are Jesus of Onyibo. He didn't say that, of course, you know. I'm, not, I'm just the one so that we understand it. He said, Jesus looked at him so sweetly and smiled. It's like, yeah, that's my boy. You won't go with a vision except you have the word. You see, God's word is a more sure word of prophecy. We must never put any vision, experience, revelation, dream, voice, prophecy, minister, anything above the written word of God. Never. God's word must come first. And you must judge it with the word of God, the written word of God. Said Jesus smiled so sweetly. Said, You want two or three? I'll go one better than you four. Then Jesus started by saying this. He said, For a believer to pray to God the Father or to me, to ask me to do something for them about the devil, is for him to waste his time. Ah, Brother Egan said, I wasted time. Hey, I don't waste time. Time. You know, and it wasn't God's time you wasted it didn't hear you in the first place. You wasted your own. Then he said, all the writers of the New Testament, whoever said anything about the devil, put the responsibility on the believer, not on God, to do something about the devil. So the first witness he will give him. Now, Jesus gave him four witnesses, but five scriptures. The first witness Jesus gave him was himself. He said to him, he said, when I was on earth, after I was raised from the dead, I said in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, that all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now, if you stop there, Matthew 28, verse 18, if you stop there, you'll have said, yeah, Jesus, you just got through telling us. If something needs to be done about the devil, then you do it. He said, but I didn't stop there. I turned around and delegated my authority to the church. 
and said, folks, go therefore. Go therefore. Now, this is mine, right? If I were to give it to him, is he still with If he now starts saying, eh, eh, read that for me from that uh, iPad you have with you. And I say, I don't have it with me. I can't read it from the iPad. It's not with me. And he says, read it with you. You know, it's with you. And I say, no, I can't read it. It's not with me. Do you see that? He gave us the authority. He delegated it to the church. He said, go therefore and teach all nations. So, please, sir, you could be seated. So, he delegated his authority to the church. So, we are the ones now with that authority. That was the Great Commission. That's Matthew's rendition of it. So, that same discourse, Mark now records a part of it. So, you know, the same Great Commission. If you read from verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The first of the signs in Mark 16, 17. Jesus said, in my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they cast out devils. Who's the sign to follow? The believing ones. What's the first of them? In my name shall they cast out devils. He said the way Jesus quoted it to him. Jesus said to him that I said, in my name, the believing ones will exercise authority over the devil. Of course, if you can cast out devils, you've got authority over them. So, Jesus defeated the devil. He rose from the dead. Got all authority in heaven and in earth. And then he turned around and delegated it to the church. And said, folks, go therefore. And if you meet the devil on the way, check him out. In my name, exercise authority over the devil. So that's the first witness, was Jesus himself. And two scriptures, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, and Mark 16, 17. Said, the second witness Jesus gave him was James. James, that was the first bell, right? Good. Second witness Jesus gave him was James. In James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to god the next part of that verse says resist the devil now you can exercise authority over the devil if you are not submitted to god how do we submit to god by submitting to his word by submitting to constituted authority the local uh, your home the local church see god is strong about the local church god honors the local church god honors the pastor and so do we amen Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. But the last part of that verse says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who's the understood subject of that sentence? When he said, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, what's James saying? Say, you submit yourself to God. So he's also saying, you resist the devil. Notice that wasn't written to the devil. That didn't say, devil, leave the people of God alone. No. He said, people of God, do something about the devil. Now, that wasn't written to God. And say, James didn't say, God, do something about the devil in their life. God has done all he's ever going to do about the devil. Until the angel puts him in the bottomless pit and eventually in the lake of fire. He's defeated him. And he did it for us. So he says, resist the devil. If we are told to resist the devil, it's because we can. 
We've got authority over him. Now, I think some people are waiting until they see somebody who comes with a t-shirt, you know, trying to say it for the millennials, you know. Someone comes with a t-shirt, is written in front of the t-shirt, I am the devil. And then at the back, I am the devil. Then maybe the person has a horn in his head. And then the person has a tail. I think some people are waiting to see somebody like that before they start resisting. Look, when a temptation to sin comes, that's the devil. Resist it. When symptoms of sickness come, that's the devil. Sickness is from the devil, not from God. Resist it. When a temptation to lack comes, that's the devil. Resist it. When some oppression tries to come on you, that's the devil. Resist it. When a fear thought or a doubt thought comes, that's the devil. Resist it. Anything that is from the devil is of the devil. What do we do with the devil? Notice it doesn't say submit yourselves therefore to the devil. Resist God. No, it says submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. To resist means to withstand, to oppose, to stand against. Don't give in. Don't yield to. Stand against. Resist the devil. And when you resist him, what is he going to do? He will flee. Someone told me one time, he said, I resisted the devil and he didn't go. I said, well, I said, if you repent for lying, God will forgive you. Because somebody lied. Either you or God. God said, resist the devil, he will flee. You said you resisted the devil, he didn't flee. Somebody lied. And I don't mind telling you, you lied, not God resist him and what will happen he will flee one meaning of that word flee is to run away from as in terror he will run away from you as in terror resist him he said the next witness jesus gave him was peter first peter 5 8 and 9 be sober be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In actual fact, he said what Jesus told him is this. That when Peter wrote that letter, I'm quoting Brother Hagin, and quoting what Jesus told him. He said, Peter did not say, the word has come to us. That our beloved brother Paul, he's sending out handkerchiefs on aprons, Acts 19, 11, and 12 laying hands on them and they are being taken to the sick and the demonized and the demons are leaving them write him a letter and tell him to send you one of those pieces of cloth he said that's not what peter said peter said whom resists whom resists whom resists which means we can resist the devil and the last witness jesus gave him ephesians 4 27 paul neither give place to the devil that means if you don't give the devil any place, he can't take any place in your life. Look, we've got authority over him. If you don't exercise it, it won't be exercised. Amen. Let's say this together. The name of Jesus belongs to me. All authority in heaven and in earth is in that name. And in that name, the name above all names, I resist the devil. I resist him. Steadfast in the faith. I don't give him any place in my life, in my body, in my finances, in my family, in my situations. I stand my ground and I reign as a king in this life, 
in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Lift up both hands and thank him for it. So we said number seven that faith plays a key role in the exercise of the authority of the believer and then we saw first peter 5 8 and 9 mark 11 23 ecclesiastes 8 4 and second corinthians 5 7. now there are times we would give the command of authority but things will seem not to change there are times we will give the command of authority and things will seem not to change. What we need to do at such times is to stand our ground in faith. Hope that makes sense. Once you've given the command of authority, just stand your ground in faith. You've spoken. Maintain that stand. I gave the command of authority. I spoke to that situation in the name of Jesus. It's got to change. In fact, it's changing already. What I said shall come to pass. Amen. So you just keep thanking God for the answer. Now, people go to Luke 18, where the Bible was talking about importunity. You know? And he said, uh, because he will be heard because of his importunity. Man who goes to his friend's house middle of the night. Really, it's more about the boldness. Who goes to somebody else's house in the middle of the night to ask for bread? It's about the boldness. And you see, there's an importunity of unbelief. And there's an importunity of faith. Don't do the importunity of unbelief. How did Jesus end that parable? He said in verse 8, that when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? So that was the central point he was uh, alluding to. The boldness to ask. And then the importunity of faith. Amen. Spoken in faith... That's it. It shall come to pass. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick and near death, you notice that Jesus said the sickness is not unto death. That's what Jesus said. When Jesus got there and they told him Lazarus had died, what did Jesus do? He stood by what he had said. He maintained his confession. Look, when they rolled away the stone and he said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me and that you have heard me. When did God hear him? What did he say that God heard him? See, when he said that this is not unto death, God heard him. He wasn't starting to pray all over again. He just said, oh boy, come out here. What are you doing there? Lazarus, come forth. That's it. Because when he spoke, he released faith. Do you understand? So once you give the command of authority, let it stay said. Jesus did not curse the fig tree and say, no man eat fruit of the air after forever. And then, after he did it, he said, let's see. Is he changing? It's you now. I'm talking to you. I say, no man. No man. No man. Is that what he did? He just spoke and he turned and he walked away. Because he knew it shall come to pass. You take the name of Jesus. You speak to the circumstance. No, it shall be carried out. It shall be carried out. My elder brother, my elder brother was like... Um, it was like, if my elder brother can get saved, anybody can get saved. It was a bad case. Got born again. My brother in front of me, taunted me that I'd gone to join the SUs. I laughed. Then he told me, he said, you won't last. You know, you can't last. Well, it's been 30, it's been over 35 years, it'll be 36 
I sure haven't lasted, have I? <laughs> you know, the Bible says, the righteous shall hold on his way. He that had clean hands shall get stronger and stronger. The Bible says, now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his throne with exceeding joy. The Bible says, who are that that condemneth another man's servant? To his own master is silent of all He shall be holding up. The last part of it says, for God is able to make him stand. You see, he can keep us. We are kept by the power of God. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're just swinging free in his strength, in his care, in his ability. You see, we're not trying to be strong in ourselves. We're strong in him. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, what did I do? After some time, I was studying along these lanes about the authority of the believer, the authority I have over the devil. And you see, faith begins where the will of God is known. I saw from God's word that it's God's will that my loved ones be saved. It's God's will. It's God's will. It's God's will. I also saw 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. Nobody in his right mind will live this life and enter eternity and say it's hell they are going. But somebody who wasn't in his right mind could do that. Nobody in his right mind will drive their car, you know, and go jump into a lake. But somebody who was on dope cooled. Somebody who wasn't in his right mind cooled. Amen. So the devil who winks people's minds. I saw that. I saw from the prodigal son in Luke 15. The Bible says that when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And here I perish with hunger. You see, when he came to himself, so he wasn't thinking straight when he was doing that stuff. Amen. I saw some of those things. And, said, and then I got up. It was my dad and my elder brother. What did I do? I just say, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the devil over my brother's life. I called his name. I claim his deliverance and full salvation in Jesus' name. See, once I did that, that settled it. Next holiday we came for, my brother was talking in tongues. Born again, spirit filled, talking in tongues. It worked. My dad, nothing seemed to change. In fact, it looked like it, he got worse. So what did you do? I just stood my ground. I took the name of Jesus. I broke the power of the devil over his life. I claimed his deliverance and full salvation in Jesus' name. That's what I kept saying. And so, Father, I see him saved. I call him saved. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I just stood my ground. Now, let me also say this. You see, you can't force somebody else into getting saved. Man is a free moral agent. In 1 Corinthians 7, the Bible says the believing woman who has an unbelieving spouse, that do you know whether you are the one who will get him saved? If you could always get him saved, that wouldn't have been said. When you break Satan's hold over people's lives, your loved ones, what you've done is that you've now made it possible for them to make their own decision, unhindered by the devil. Most of the time, they will make the right decision for God. A few of the times, they might not. doesn't mean your faith wasn't working. You know? It just means they chose. And you can't violate somebody else's will. Not even God does. You can't either. You know, but I knew my dad was honest. I knew he just didn't know the truth. And then another thing along these lanes, the Bible says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. I asked God to send in someone who talked to him. One person, this was many, many, many years after. 
it looked like nothing was changing for the better, except for the worse. But I just stayed in faith. Every time I remembered, I thanked God for his salvation. I stood my ground on what I had said. I've spoken in faith. I've broken Satan's hold over his life. Father, I thank you because I call him saved. I see him saved and I praise you for it. So I just stood in faith. You know, some unusual person one day invited him to come for a Pentecostal meeting. Pentecostal church, very unusual. Very unusual. My daddy never went to church except maybe they were burying somebody or they were, you know, doing a thanksgiving or something. I mean, he just wouldn't go. But he went to that meeting. They made the altar call and he answered. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It was many years after, but it came to pass. Once you've taken authority over the devil, broken his hold, amen, stay in faith. Stay in faith. Now, of course, when it comes to unsaved loved ones, I'll give you a piece of advice. Usually, your unsaved loved ones won't listen to you. They feel like, is he not that small boy that I used to clean his pampas? Can he know something I don't know? No, he doesn't. What does he know? Well, has he seen life? Sometimes they have that attitude. Don't preach at them. Preaching at them will push them away from God. You see, people are looking for reality. Once they see reality in you, they want to follow. You understand? I inoculated virtually every member of my family with word of faith theology. Everybody. My siblings. Virtually everybody. Amen. Got everybody. Got everybody. Amen. My dad watched Brother Hagin on, on, on video. You know, was interested when he did. He's late now. But you see, your life, just love them. Be real with them. Don't, be, don't try to be super spiritual. Just be real. Care for them. Show them love. And be real. They want to see reality. Amen. Some people want their neighbors to come to church, but they won't come. And the reason they won't come is you. Because every night you don't let them sleep. You're always praying and shouting at the top of your voice. 12 midnight, when everybody should be sleeping. And it's like, that nuisance has come again. Won't let us sleep tonight. And then you now want to invite them to church. Or you are the one who is always the loudest about church, but you are the nasty person in the neighborhood. You are the person who will not help anybody. You are the person who will not pay your dues. You are the person who will not relate well with people. You can push the people off God. We don't want to do that, right? We want to be loving, kind witnesses. Sometimes what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. Amen. So don't forget, don't undo your witness. Amen. And then also, also the place of intercessory prayer. Sometimes the Spirit of God, you know, could lead you. Spend some time praying in other tongues. Amen. You know, for someone to, uh, in getting the person saved. The Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. Paul said about the Galatian church, Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail again in birth until Christ be formed in you. Which meant he travailed in birth for them to be saved in the first place. Because he said, I travail in birth again. Praise God. So there's also the place of that. I'm not ruling that out. There's also that. Which one shall I do? That's why we have the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen. But you see, don't forget, we've got authority. You have authority in your own life. You have authority where your kids are concerned, when they are still young and under you. You have authority in your immediate family. Amen. As the, as the circle gets wider, the authority diminishes. I can't just go down the road and cast the devil out of anybody promiscuously. You know? No, I can't. What if they want the devil? 
Besides, it's their life. Except they give me permission, I can't just exercise my authority for them. Does that make sense? All right. Number eight. Number eight. Every believer, every believer has authority over the devil. Every believer has authority over the devil. Every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. Every believer has authority over the devil. Every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it. He needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. Every, every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. For a believer, for a believer to pray to God... For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil. Is for the believer to waste his time. Is for the believer to waste his time. Many of us have wasted lots of time. Every believer has authority over the devil and he needs to exercise it to reap its benefits. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil, is for the believer to waste his time. All those prayers God, rebuke the devil for me. If you want to drink Coca-Cola, say you want to drink Coca-Cola. Which one is Emi Coca-Cola? I'll try to translate some of this stuff in case you don't understand the language, I, the dialect I just spoke. Yeah. Someone pray it again. Oluwa. That's almost blasphemous. I'll tell you what I just said. Oh God, all the rats in my life. God, turn to a cat. God is not turning into a cat. You know, some things that people pray. Charles Cap said there was one day he was praying. At least so he thought. Say God asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. God said, no, you are not. You are complaining. You are not praying. Then he said, the Lord told him, he said, I am tired of hearing you tell me what the devil said. When will you start telling the devil what I said? Yeah, it's not prayer. Oh God, just see. I'm just sick. I don't know what to do. See, some prayers, when you finish them, you will be worse off than when you started. Because he shall have whatever he saith. And all you have said is, I'm sick. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. Nothing is working. That's all you are saying. And you have what you say. Prayer is meant to be us taking the word of God and returning it to him. Not taking the circumstances and going to God and complaining. For a believer... To pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil is for the believer to waste his time. Yes. 
December 1952, Kenneth E. Hagin, person who founded this school. September 1974, Rayma Bible Training Center started. Rayma, uh, on the uh, in Broken Arrow, in Oklahoma State, in the U.S. Person who started this school, the founder. The person who actually put it together was his son, Pastor Kenneth W. Hagin, who's alive now and who's running it. And Rayma, since Brother Hagin went to heaven, Rayma has even further expanded. Because you see, Rayma is not built around a person. It's built on God's purpose. Well, 1952, December 1952, Brother Hagin was doing this meeting for a pastor. He was in the pastor's house. When um, he knelt down to pray, the, the pastor had a daughter who was going to go to school. They had been talking about the things of God. And then so much time had passed, so he knelt down to pray. All of a sudden, as he did in the kitchen of that uh, pastor's house, he was caught up in a cloud. And then about where the roof should be, Jesus was standing there. The vision lasted about one hour, 30 minutes. And then Jesus said to him, he said, I want to talk to you about the devil, demons, and demon possession. There were about three or four parts to that vision. I'll just talk about one part of it. If you want to hear the other parts of it, make sure you come for level two. We'll talk about the other parts in level two. You know, till then, you know, we'll talk about this one now. And that reason why you should come for level two. If it's just to hear the rest of the story. Anyway... <laughs> While the Lord was talking to him, all of a sudden, one evil spirit came, a demon, and just stood between that Jesus and Brother Hagin. And not only did the demon stand, there was a cloud, a dark cloud around it. Just listen to this. So much to learn from it. And then the demon started making funny noises. Yakity yak, 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 yakity yak, with one irritating voice. He was just making noise. He said he could no longer hear what Jesus was telling him. Important instruction he was giving him from the word of God. Not just for his sake, but also for the body of Christ. About how to deal with the devil. He said, at a time like that, you know, one minute can look like 30 minutes. He said the thing just kept doing, He said he couldn't distinguish the, the words Jesus was speaking. He could hear that, and the funny thing, he said Jesus just continued talking. As if nothing was happening. And he could no longer see Jesus because of the dark cloud it brought. Finally, he was waiting. Why didn't Jesus do something about this thing? Jesus, do something about it. He said, he didn't do anything. He said, finally, out of desperation, he pointed his finger and said, shut up in the name of Jesus. He said, when he said that, the demon fell to the floor like a sack of salt. Shaking and whimpering. Afraid, like a scared puppy. He said, he said to it, not only shut up, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Say so you never saw anybody scurry so fast. It ran. Ran. It fled. Ran as in terror. Scared stiff. And left. You know? It was like, oh, good riddance of that nonsense. That's how I felt. And then Jesus now said something to him that totally shocked him. It shocked me too the first time I read it. Jesus pointed. Uh, talked about that situation, said, you know, if you had not done something about that, I couldn't. Ah, it was like, no. I know, maybe because it's night. I'm not hearing well. You didn't say you couldn't. What you said is that you wouldn't. Now, is there a difference? Is that just semantics? If I tell you now that I won't pull the pillar down with my hands, once I turn, just do like this to me. 
isn't it? This one is not a matter of I won't do it. This one is a matter of I can't do it. At least not in the shape my biceps and triceps are. Because my name is not yet Samson. Right? It's not that I won't. It's that I can't. I won't do something means that it's possible I can do it. It's possible I have the ability to do it. But I choose not to do it. I will not to do it. But I can't means that I may want to do it. I may will to get it done. But I don't have what it takes to do it. I don't have the ability to do it. We get that, right? So, Jesus, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. I didn't have the ability to do it. He said, no, I didn't hear you well. You didn't say you couldn't. You said you wouldn't. Jesus said, no, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. He said, no, you didn't say you couldn't. say you wouldn't. He said, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. No, you didn't say you couldn't. say you wouldn't. No, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. <laughs> Back and forth. About the fourth time, it's like Jesus said, listen up. I did not say I would not. I said I could not. I could not. I could not. I could not. Do you get it? I couldn't. He said, what do you mean you couldn't? So that beats anything I've ever preached. That beats anything I've ever heard any preacher preach. That I've read the New Testament through 150 times. That's what Brother Higgins said. He said, and portions of it more times than that. If there's anything like that in there, I haven't seen it. Jesus looked at him and said, there's a whole lot in there you haven't seen. And that's the truth for all of us. Then he said, even though I can see you talking to me and I can hear you talking to me, but you see this one you just said, eh? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You have to give me two or three witnesses from the New Testament. Otherwise, I won't take it. Then maybe you are Jesus of Onyibo. He didn't say that, of course. You know, I'm not, I'm just the one so that we understand it. He said, Jesus looked at him so sweetly and smiled. It's like, yeah, that's my boy. You won't go with a vision. Except you have the word. You see, God's word is a more sure word of prophecy. We must never put any vision, experience, revelation, dream, voice, prophecy, minister, anything above the written word of God. Never. God's word must come first. And we must judge it with the word of God, the written word of God. Said Jesus smiled so sweetly. Said, You want two or three? I'll go one better than you four. Then Jesus started by saying this. He said, For a believer, to pray to God the Father or to me, to ask me to do something for them about the devil is for him to waste his time. Ah, Brother Higgins said, I wasted time. Hey, I don't waste time. Time. You know, and it wasn't God's time you wasted because he didn't hear you in the first place. You wasted your own. Then he said, all the writers of the New Testament, whoever said anything about the devil, put the responsibility on the believer, not on God. To do something about the devil. So the first witness he will give him. Now Jesus gave him four witnesses but five scriptures. The first witness Jesus gave him was himself. He said to him, he said, when I was on earth, after I was raised from the dead, I said in Matthew 28 verses 18 and 19 that all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now if you stop there, Matthew 28 verse 18, if you stop there, you'll have said, yeah, Jesus, you just got through telling us. If something needs to be done about the devil, then you do it. He said, but I didn't stop there. I turned around 
and delegated my authority to the church and said, folks, go therefore. Go therefore. Now, this is mine, right? If I were to give it to him, is this still... If he now starts saying, eh, eh, read that for me from that uh, iPad you have with you. And I say, I don't have it with me. I can't read it from the iPad. It's not with me. And he says, read it with you. You know, it's with you. And I say, no, I can't read it. It's not with me. Do you see that? He gave us the authority. He delegated it to the church. He said, go therefore and teach all nations. So, please, sir, you could be seated. So, he delegated his authority to the church. So, we are the ones now with that authority. That was the Great Commission. That's Matthew's rendition of it. So, that same discourse, Mark now records a part of it. So, you know, the same Great Commission. If you read from verse 15, it says, And said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The first of the signs in Mark 16, 17. Jesus said, in my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they cast out devils. Who's the sign to follow? The believing ones. What's the first of them? In my name shall they cast out devils. He said the way Jesus quoted it to him. Jesus said to him that I said, in my name, the believing ones will exercise authority over the devil. Of course, if you can cast out devils, you've got authority over them. So, Jesus defeated the devil. He rose from the dead. Got all authority in heaven and in earth. And then he turned around and delegated it to the church. And said, folks, go therefore. And if you meet the devil on the way, check him out. In my name, exercise authority over the devil. So that's the first witness was Jesus himself. And two scriptures, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, and Mark 16, 17. Said, the second witness Jesus gave him was James. James, that was the first bell, right? Yes. Good. Second witness Jesus gave him was James. In James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. The next part of that verse says, resist the devil. Now, you can exercise authority over the devil if you are not submitted to God. How do we submit to God? By submitting to his word. By submitting to constituted authority. The local, uh, your home, the local church. See, God is strong about the local church. God honors the local church. God honors the pastor. And so do we. Amen. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. But the last part of that verse says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who's the understood subject of that sentence? When he said, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What's James saying? Say, you submit yourself to God. So he's also saying, you resist the devil. Notice that wasn't written to the devil. That didn't say, devil, leave the people of God alone. No. He said, people of God, do something about the devil. Now, that wasn't written to God. And say, James didn't say, God, do something about the devil in their life. God has done all he's ever going to do about the devil. Until the angel puts him in the bottomless pit and eventually in the lake of fire. He's defeated him. And he did it for us. So he says, resist the devil. If we are told to resist the devil, it's because we can.
We've got authority over him. Now, I think some people are waiting until they see somebody who comes with a T-shirt, you know, trying to say it for the millennials, you know. Someone comes with a T-shirt, is written in front of the T-shirt, I am the devil. And then at the back, I am the devil. Then maybe the person has a horn in his head. And then the person has a tail. I think some people are waiting to see somebody like that before they start resisting. Look, when a temptation to sin comes, that's the devil. Resist it. When symptoms of sickness come, that's the devil. Sickness is from the devil, not from God. Resist it. When a temptation to lack comes, that's the devil. Resist it. When some oppression tries to come on you, that's the devil. Resist it. When a fear thought or a doubt thought comes, that's the devil. Resist it. Anything that is from the devil is of the devil. What do we do with the devil? Notice it doesn't say submit yourselves therefore to the devil. Resist God. No, it says submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. To resist means to withstand, to oppose, to stand against. Don't give in. Don't yield to. Oppose. Stand against. Resist the devil. And when you resist him, what is he going to do? He will flee. Someone told me one time, he said, I resisted the devil and he didn't go. I said, well, I said, if you repent for lying, God will forgive you. Because somebody lied, either you or God. God said, resist the devil, he will flee. You said you resisted the devil, he didn't flee. Somebody lied. And I don't mind telling you, you lied, not God. Resist him. And what will happen? He will flee. One meaning of that word flee is to run away from as in terror. He will run away from you as in terror. Resist him. He said the next witness Jesus gave him was Peter. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In actual fact, he said what Jesus told him is this. That when Peter wrote that letter, I'm quoting Brother Hagin, and quoting what Jesus told him. He said, Peter did not say, the word has come to us. That our beloved Brother Paul is sending out handkerchiefs on aprons, Acts 19, 11, and 12. Laying hands on them, and they are being taken to the sick, and the demonized, and the demons are leaving them. Write him a letter and tell him to send you one of those pieces of cloth. He said, that's not what Peter said. Peter said, whom resists? Whom resists? Whom resists? Which means we can resist the devil. And the last witness Jesus gave him, Ephesians 4, 27, Paul, neither give place to the devil. That means if you don't give the devil any place, he can't take any place in your life. Look, we've got authority over him. If you don't exercise it, it won't be exercised. Amen. Let's say this together. The name of Jesus belongs to me. All authority in heaven and in earth is in that name. And in that name, the name above all names, I resist the devil. I resist him. Steadfast in the faith. I don't give him any place in my life, in my body, in my finances, in my family, in my situations. I stand my ground and I reign as a king in this life. 
in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Lift up both hands and thank him for it. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.